Great point, Roy. I haven't asked for consent for years. But I also don't have say so. <laughs> so good. our song thank you steven and also thank you brody i don't know if you guys saw but brody animated some pretty funny stuff so uh brody's also getting to thank you today uh welcome back everybody <laughs> cinematographically speaking uh your source of all film news news um, <laughs> yeah all film news this week miley cyrus okay so this week we got Diary of a Country Priest, or as I like to say, Journal de un Cure de Champagne. That was really good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Who's that, you might say? <laughs> <laughs> we've, got, we've got special guest Sam today. Can I get a round so of applause? Good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. That's awesome. Can Wait, it? Can my it? Claps weren't going through. Can I? You're, you're clapping. Well, yeah, we acknowledge that you clap. Thank you, Stephen. Clap. Thank you. Um, can we acknowledge the fact that um, I am responsible for the naming of this podcast? Is that what is, the? Am I not? Is that true? Oh, that's, Did I not? That's accurate. That's I came accurate. up with the name. Well, we Holy came up with the name before no, no, the no, idea no, no. for the podcast existed. No, 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 right? no, no. Whoa, 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 whoa. As I recall. I think you were the first person to say the word cinematographologically. Uh-huh. Possibly. No, no, no. No, but, that, that part's for sure. No, certainly. Okay, yeah. yeah. But but you but that was said before the podcast was yes. in our minds. Yes. This is fair. Sam comes on the podcast yeah. and instantly mobs. <laughs> yeah, Sam's, by the way, Sam's leaving in three minutes. That's all he had that's all he had to say. Yeah, I'm on a really tight schedule. I got about five other pods to do today, so I was hoping we could wrap yeah. this up pretty quick. That's that New York lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, that New York <laughs> the hustle bustle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all my so boys got podcasts. So Sam is a professional film podcaster. <laughs> so he's got so many. Mm-hmm. We were able to he book actually him. sat in the 32nd row at the Oscars. So. Yeah, actually, no, most of my podcasts big, are just for raunchy, raunchy comedy, you know, non-PC comedy. Yeah, what are they? Yeah, wait, ra- what? What I thought they, they killed comedy. <laughs> what, I what thought they, they canceled it. What do they call... Um, there's like a, a Netflix category for like raunchy comedies. And it's it's called... Um, it's like some cringe term, but it's like... Oh, I can't. I can't. Irreverent. 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 Yeah. Irreverent. Yeah, yeah, that play, yeah that's, that's the genre I'm in. Speaking Wake up of, and choose irreverency. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of reverency... Anyway, so we watched Diary of a Country Beast. Priest. Um, <laughs> beast. <laughs> Diary of a Country Beast. This is 1951, Brisson. Uh, right, this is... Uh, right, this is... Maybe... Uh, you know, Tarkovsky put it in his top ten, which honestly is so cringe he made one, I can't believe it. 
<laughs> uh, this is, you know, one of Bergman's favorite films and uh, the taxi driver's modeled after it, etc. So big, important film. Um, also, uh, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, Hanukkah. Hanukkah's favorite Brisson. And we love Hanukkah, of course. Anyway. Uh, I forget, oh, yeah. And it's right, like, it 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 forms the um i don't know the big it's the first of the you know diary of a country priest winter light first reformed dialectic of which we're all extremely familiar the fuck are you talking about um so this film happened and then eventually bergman made winter light which is oh okay in dialogue with this film and then Schrader, who really doesn't be- really doesn't deserve to be talked about in the same uh, breath as uh, Brisson and Bergman, made um, first reformed 2017 film starring Ethan Hawke, which is in dialogue with the two uh, first, um, you know, Winterlight and Diary, and honestly, first reformed not too bad, but it really doesn't. Uh, it's- where's uh, where's Schindler's List and all that? Well, Schindler's List kind of encompasses everything, as we know. Yeah, kind of answers all questions and leaves none left it's the ultimate faith uh faith-based argument yeah i think yeah oh you don't believe in god haven't seen schindler's list (laughs) yeah um all right well we'll do we'll do opening thoughts and we'll get into it um i guess i start uh not because i'll have the best opening thoughts but because i'm at the top in the discord call anyway I'm mostly just saying that for Sam's sake, <laughs> so he doesn't embarrass himself by going yeah, out of order. I understand the hierarchy here. It's implicit. So, <clears throat> best film ever. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so this movie, I, okay, so first, you know, I start watching the movie, and I'm starting to think, oh, here we go again, you know, you know, God mode, God dialogue, you know, time to engage with the theological it also, in the beginning, struck me as sort of uh, like that meme. There's like a meme where it's like, um, oh, I had it pulled up. But it's like, film fans, when you say you want to watch a Marvel film and not a four-hour not a four-hour black and white look at the Serbian famine through the perspective of a pigeon type of thing, you know? Like, it's this... You know, ascetic, minimal, black and white French film where you hear, Je l'ai vu, je vois, je vois, my life like a bag, duh, duh, blah, blah, in the wind, you know, whatever yeah, other stuff. In the wind. Yeah, <laughs> like a shooting star, whatever other stuff. So, like, you know, I'm like, oh, this is kind of, you know, this looks old as shit. This looks <laughs> like it's going to be really indulgent, you know? And it looks like it's going to be this, like, you know, intellectual work uh and i think it's a it's a uh one of the rare cases where i'm not really sold on a film in the beginning but come you know over time really really get sold on it so anyway started off a little rough i think i was you know it comes with the territory of watching a 480p (laughs) dvd film (laughs) also you know a very like whatever reserved french film and also this was 480p i thought it was 4k you're funny uh and uh 
plus Brisson is like super, um, whatever. He's not like, like an indulgent guy. Anyway, really, really liked it. Actually, I was really surprised by the emotional quality of the film. The performances were extremely good. Um, the theological discussion was not cringe, and uh, <laughs> anything, if anything, was pretty refreshing. Steve and I were talking a little bit before, and we'll talk more, but, I mean, the whole film is, like, Kierkegaard, or Kierkegaardian, which is cool, and all these films, right, any serious Christian film or whatever, or whatever, the, you know, God film, yeah. will be Kierkegaardian if it's good, uh, but, but, but I found it, um, like, it had that kind of cool naivety of the character, that was like like it didn't need to just constantly allude to things like it was it was comfortable being explicit but it wasn't like cringe conceptual explicit if that makes sense right it's not like you know some like when some movie wants to be heady so they have two characters talk about really deep shit like aliens and yeah you know, weed and aliens what right? happens if you when you die and you wake up with the bong in your hand and they ask you how was it you know i thought that scene was really missing from this movie actually. yeah that's true they actually could have wrapped it up <laughs> Yeah, after he dies. Anyway, so that was a little long, but <laughs> I really, really liked it. And I think uh, what is what is um, what stands out to me is is the craft, is the emotion, is the um, the various uh, you know <clears throat> emotional experience of the film, uh, and and the intellectual element is cool and good too, but not but not what this film is about. Uh, yeah i mean what do you want me to say that this movie sucked nuts because well, it didn't well you told this me movie yeah. was, this movie was this movie was good uh basically agree with everything you say uh i mean all i can say is i'm a i am a little tired of the like god movie <laughs> the faith-based movie the the slow steady movie about god about faith uh i mean this one did it extremely well though i would say this is my favorite out of any of them i think well it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty lame to call that a genre because it's so it's it says it doesn't seem like it fits like within a genre but yeah, i don't know Good movie. I don't know really what to say. Chantal was a great actress, great performance of just a pure, annoying, swarthy bitch. Killed herself uh, after the film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I, she, did she really? She did. Yeah, she no, did. please. She, she jumped in front of a train. <laughs> no, please. Yeah. Oh, uh, I take it back. She was a she was a kind heart in this movie. <laughs> uh, troubled soul. That's it. I actually, I agree. I thought her performance was the best, but I'm pretty sure this movie, or at least the, uh, um, what's the name of the, the actor who played the priest? Um, his performance was particularly, like, lauded at the time. Although I actually was not a big fan of it, at least at the, like, the sort of, like, climax points of, like, drama. I mean, I don't know. It felt corny. The other times where he just seems, like, very removed and, like... Uh, which was just like most of the movie. Basically, anything besides the climax I thought were really good. But then the actual like 
like bigger performance parts I thought were just kind of corny, but maybe that's just me. I thought Chantal was definitely the best because like she's actually really hateable. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Especially in the end, like her smugness just like bleeds through. Like you don't even have to know what she's saying, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's written on her face. Yeah. Poor girl. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone does that, what me? Does anyone feel the same? I mean, how do you how do you feel about it? Uh, you, uh, you, you you give your whole take. Everyone gives their. Opening well, I'm trying take, to think of like and then like, people respond to each other. Okay, well, I mean, that's that's the first thing that jumped out at me and made it a little hard to like be immersed. Uh, at least like to be like um, I, I guess like emotionally immersed because like obviously those high points are so important. I'm trying to think of like like when he when he gets. Um, when it's clear that, like, his sickness is really, like, bearing down on him. And, like, uh, I know it happens, like, in the end where he almost has that, like, that look on his face. Like, he's losing his mind or something, but really he's just really sick. Um, and, I don't know, moments like that made it hard to, like, really be emotionally invested. Um, and then, on top of that, I mean, at least, like, overall, like feeling about the movie I, I finished it feeling a bit confused about the plot that there were certain plot points that i'd missed and i know troy you said you felt the same um mm. but um yeah there's yeah. some things i didn't understand yeah and then even going back through and reading like a uh, synopsis still some like gray areas um dude the wiki mm-hmm. the wiki plot is terrible yeah <laughs> yeah it seems <laughs> like this there's is like most of the movie yeah there's definitely parts that are just like important parts that are not mentioned but yeah mostly most like final feeling was just a a bit of confusion um yeah <laughs> would you like the movie <laughs> i know I, I i we discussed this a little at the beginning it was like i it's hard for me to say whether or not i like it if i feel like there are parts that were like big parts that were missing for me but um overall i still felt good by the end um and uh yeah i i want to get into the plot once we talk a bit more about the plot i feel like i'll feel better to give like a like a firm opinion on how i how i actually feel about it but we'll come we'll come back to you you'll get yeah yeah please (laughs) we'll find out how you felt about this film all right Jakey in the house, big Jakey in the house. We're back. We're watching films. We're talking about films. We're thinking about films. <laughs> and uh, you know, I just want to first off say that this film obviously right up my alley, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was I I I used a lot of my uh, connections to push this for this episode. <laughs> That's true. And uh, you know, I used up a lot of mana. That's uh, yeah. That's right. Listeners of the pod may recall various <laughs> times in history where Jacob uh, maybe doesn't have the power he deserves, uh, but for this one, Jacob was the almighty hammer. Yeah, and colors slowly. of pomegranates. Yeah, that's yeah. right. We're, we're going to need to demolish this narrative soon, okay? Yeah. Or things nar- are going to yeah, get I think out this of hand. Be the official end of the narrative, because at this point, I think Jacob has determined what film we watch as much as anyone. It, true. But this has just been my ascendancy you know, <laughs> up into yeah, the uh, yeah. dictatorial position, usurping Troy. You know, because <clears throat> anyway, I'm not going to get into that. Um, 
<laughs> but unfortunately, I was about to say, even though this film is, you know, right up my alley, I essentially picked it. I'm going to have to share a lot of Sam's, um, you know, I share his feelings where I was kind of, I was kind of confused at certain points, but uh, it doesn't help that I was uh, really tired when I watched it, so. You know, I may have I may have closed my eyes a few times. Oh <laughs> this guy didn't watch the movie. <laughs> but <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to just inject in a bunch of nonsense. Um, but yeah, I definitely was getting strong winter light uh, yeah. vibes from this. I didn't know that winter light was actually a meant to be a response or you know had this in mind so that makes a lot of sense and i forget does the does the no 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 the priest in winterlight doesn't die no he, roughly this film this film is almost exactly winterlight up to a point right because in terms of suicide, plot, right there's the well there's mm-hmm. there's there's the encounter with the suicidal person in which right the priest fails to, you know, in his own eyes, help that situation, and then the suicide occurs, and then the blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But uh, yeah. So I, I share I share Sam's desire to kind of feel feel things out while we talk about it because I don't want to make it. I don't want to make any grand claims right now. Mm-hmm. Well, if I could just quickly say something unbelievably based. Um, you know, if you guys feel confused, you know, it's the film that's confused, not you, okay? <laughs> Unironically, at this point, I'm almost embarrassed on your behalf uh, that you felt like uh, you did something wrong. Obviously, you were always perfect and, uh, you know... Your, you know, your 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 senses are intact at all times. What if I only remember the first minute and the last minute of the movie? What matters is if you remember how you felt. <laughs> uh, I was kind of confused too sometimes, but I still liked it a lot. See, I don't, I unlike you guys, I don't have a problem saying I think it was fucking really good, even though. I was fucking confused about the plot <laughs> sometimes, mostly because uh, I thought that it, uh, when Troy said that it, it was not cringe when it came to the explicit nature of the conversation and things like that, of God and stuff, I thought that all of that was done so well, it was well written, that I like, it kind of like made me not care about other things. And as far as his performance went, I actually kind of disagree with Sam. I actually thought he did a pretty good job in because uh, he had to rapidly change from extreme agony to like exaltation like and he did a pretty good job at that like uh, the facial cues mm-hmm. of like going from the worst suffering imaginable and then five seconds later having to show like pure bliss or like understanding of God which is kind of a steep task or something I feel like that really only happened on the motorcycle right I mean was there is there another scene that comes to mind that you think of maybe at the very end yeah, at the very end, it also happens when he's in the bed, kind of, um, when he, like, yeah. walks throughout the room. So that's the, so both of those are in the last quarter, so you're right. Uh, does it happen earlier than that? There are some peaceful moments, uh, or moments where he gains peace, such as 
after being faced with uh, like the accusations that, you know, when he's in the barn with uh, the other priest, right? Mm -hmm. And he like stands up for himself. And then mm -hmm. when he returns home, he is in a, he's in a time of peace. Although it's a little different than what you're describing, Stephen. Though I mm -hmm. agree with you, I think the perf you know I'm gonna have to agree with uh, Jean Toulard when he says no other actor deserves to go to heaven as much as Lydon. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> no, yeah, but I think but I think also, uh, Sam, I believe has you haven't seen a Brisson film. And like characteristic of Brisson films are these characters that, or he has the actors like extreme minimal performances mm -hmm. type of thing. So as to sort of distance you from the distance, the viewer from the character, but also like kind of uh, like it's a, like bring attention to the inner life that one, like I guess imagines, I think. Well, I read something about, like, sort of his methodology with having them read lines over and over again until they yeah, essentially became automatic. Yeah, he calls them models. Yeah. Um, yeah, it... I don't know. I, it's 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 funny that you... You're saying, basically, right, that it, like, calls attention to, like, more of, like, an inner life? Yeah, like, I think... Well, I don't know. I think there's probably a couple things to it. Like, I think... Yeah, I think he wants people to look like. Um, I don't really know. I haven't. I haven't done a ton of read about it, but my sense is that he wants people to appear more as like vessels for like this incomprehensible inner life that we kind of not guess at per se, but like I don't know. It comes through more subtly, but I think right like this, like the male performer. I don't know. Like he's not. He's not trying to tell the the story with his face, right? I think is do we agree on that? Whereas like maybe like a Berg, like a Bergman performance, right? You've got these close ups and you're looking at these faces that yeah. you know illuminate so True. much about their inner life and the experience and and also mirror that of the audience, which I think is just like super different here, where it's much more watching uh, someone a bit alien to us. Um. But, also, but I just thought I just thought that it totally matched like his his like identity and occupation as a priest that he would be so it, it's like it comes off as several things at once. It's like reserved, callous, sincere, intimate. His face at all times looks not detached, but like it has every possible serious emotion at once. I agree. Um which I think is cool and adds to like this extreme, you know, immense, grandiose, uh, free floating issue of like God, faith, meaning, life, etc. Like the most serious questions that can't even really be articulated into words. Like he, he kind of captures them through this one ambiguous face that he has most of the time. He operates through most of the movie with this kind of just ambiguous, stern, serious face. Yeah, I think that's I don't know. no super true and a great way of putting it, right? Like he he is like an ascetic. The film is ascetic in its like in its setting and its presentation, right? In the way the actors perform, like everything is like 
Yeah, I I agree, and, and I think it makes the issues that they're concerned with feel like more powerfully hidden a bit. Mm-hmm. But not, I mean, not totally. I agree with that. I I like that. <clears throat> I like that description a lot, and that's kind of why I was saying like I like like you know you have this freeze frame right now like. Um, yeah, this is one of your moments. I feel like you were mentioning. Yeah, it is. It is, and this is when he goes to his his friend's house in uh, was it Lele, right? I, I don't know mm-hmm. if viewers can't see this uh, specific frame. They can't. They can. Okay, so well, but yeah, yeah, describing is good. It's when yeah, he, it's when his friend, the doctor. No, not the doctor, but his his friend, who's like a pharmacist type guy, right? Wait, the atheist. Dufredi. Yeah, Dufredi. He goes to Dufredi's house. Old classmate. And Dufredi discusses how um, he is no longer like a man of faith, essentially. Like, yeah, he's mm-hmm. left. He's left the life, and this is his reaction to learning that information. Um, but but I mean, it's this isn't the look on his like this moment isn't just that, right? It's also he's he's sick, right? And he's he's also like mm-hmm. falling ill in the moment, and like mm-hmm. um, I don't know, moments like this just were not. They kind of took me out of it. Whereas, like, the rest, like, what you're describing, Troy, like, where he's more, like, removed and, like, um, like I guess sort of on surface level expressionless um, is definitely more, like, it feels like it's someone who's battling with some something internally and externally, um, some, something along those lines. No, so true. For a lot of the film, he looks like he has this, right, insane internal suffering and turmoil and like his face is that of someone who is like trying to like bridge the gap between like the world outside of himself like like you he's literally me literally <laughs> right does that seem fair but then those moments it's like almost unusual compared to the rest of the film in how expressive he is yeah 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 Interesting moment. I, I think also just sorry, the sickness, right? <clears throat> Every, he becomes quite ill whenever he encounters sin. Mm-hmm. One might say he can't stomach it. <laughs> I uh, I was actually going to ask something along those lines. It's like uh, at, it, in the first third or first half of the film, did you think that he? Did anybody else think that he was just? Uh, not to get all cringe, but did you think that him not being able to hold food down was just this like? Mm-hmm. somehow connected to like a metaphor of losing faith or something like that somehow and then by the end you realize that he's actually sick like it so he's actually has like an extreme faith because early on i feel like i'm wondering just how sincere his faith is because mm-hmm. he, he keeps talking about it and i thought we were going to get presented more with this unreliable narrator even though he said that he was going to be frank and earnest you know at the beginning mm-hmm. i thought that we were going to like watch him descend into non-faith maybe rebuild himself or something um but but it turns out that he's he's mostly faithful like the entire time even though he has a little bit of hang-ups a couple times but basically is faithful the whole movie well i think i don't um well i think we should talk about the stomach and the food and stuff because i think right it's important um Right, I think in the beginning, I think you're right that you immediately associate his diet and issues with his faith, but also like we're primed, knowing kind of what movie we're watching, we're primed yeah. for a crisis of faith, right, and how that's going to manifest. Yeah. Um, I disagree about the faith thing. I think 
like importantly i think he is like tormented by his lack of faith i think he's a man uh and maybe we could talk more about this but like do you know like the kierkegaardian like faith system with resi like the night of resignation and the night of faith or like Not resignation really. so like we'll talk more i guess about that but in in my eyes he's he's in the state of extreme resignation and struggling to like make the leap of faith and like suffers from it and like i think it, i think the strongest evidence for that will be after he um he guides uh the the mm -hmm. countess to uh, a life of faith mm -hmm. uh he is tormented by his by the fact that he's given her something he doesn't have right he talks about he, he has the line about his his hands he said do you, you know what i'm talking about or should i pull it up pull it up pull right. up jamie let me see if i let me see if i can pull it up i had the script but anyway he, he, he let's see oh wonder oh here we go uh so this is at the end of the sequence right or no this is when he is at her dead body right so she died the next day or that night or something right and he said i parted the muslin veil and brushed her forehead <coughs> with my fingers. I had said to her, peace be with you. And she'd received the peace on her knees. What wonder that one can give what one doesn't possess. Oh, oh right. miracle mm, of right. our empty hands. Right, right, right. I like that, miracle of our empty hands. And Brisson, not so much in this film, I think, a bit, but going forward is like notably obsessed with showing images of hands and what they're doing, and in particular, empty hands. Oh, the reverse Quentin. Uh, I don't what. Quintino. Oh, Tarantino. Oh, what? Who's a, oh feet? yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Empty feet. Empty feet. Yeah. Empty toes grasping nothing. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I think I think he's a man who, like, is trying his best to have faith and like I don't know. He talks right, about how yeah. his faith is there, and I believe him, but also he's so he's so troubled by the fact that he. Yeah, like by trying to give to people what he doesn't have, and then in the end, I think right, he 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 gets it. Definitely, I think I so. I think you're definitely right that he is undergoing a crisis of faith. Mm -hmm. I guess I only meant that he, it didn't. It was never such that he gave up on his duties. I guess like he still played the role. Yeah, as best he could, even through it. Like he he bore the the burden of his crisis. Um, I don't know, no, but I, but I, I totally agree. He is undergoing a crisis. Yeah, I think that's so I, right. Oh, yeah, I just want to quickly. I'm, I'll, I'll try and minimize discussion of Winterlight and things like this, but uh, I mean, yeah, just like just as in Winterlight, right? The priest, yeah, isn't per se having a crisis of faith, as in losing it, but like is in an extreme state of suffering and contention, yeah. but like performs his duties nonetheless. Do you think that's why? It, is it relevant at all to the fact that like the the town dislikes him pretty? Because I mean, they dislike him pretty quickly, right? Like, there's a general sense of like. Yeah, the like first maybe, scene is of them. Yeah, yeah, like, him, him arguing. Yeah, yeah, with the. No, no, the very beginning, he doesn't. Sorry, I don't mean to derail it. But, no, no, no. Right, the first shot is of writing, but the first thing we see of our character, right, is a man behind bars, a man imprisoned, right? I mean, he's not literally imprisoned, but it's a man behind bars, right? He's behind the gate of the, like, chateau or whatever, the, the mansion, mm -hmm. right? So he's a man behind bars, he's a man in prison in this ascetic environment. And uh, the next shot we see is of the like the rich guy and the governess looking at him. They have somewhat a look of repulsion and they walk away from him. 
Hmm. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, oh geez. I think just from the get-go, we have a man. I like the opening shot, a man behind bars, but uh, but yeah, like from the beginning, people are averse to him. But they discuss it later, right? Like it said, the priest says to him, or someone says to him, who says it? <coughs> people hate your people don't hate your simplicity; they shield themselves from it. It's like a flame that burns them. I think this is said to him by either the priest <laughs> or the other guy. But what simplicity? I mean, what what where I was going at first was like, is it the fact that he's struggling with his faith? Is that like people recognize it and then dislike the fact they don't they don't have a strong priest? Like, they don't feel like they can trust someone uh, with their own struggles if they are struggling themselves. I think they but, are averse to. I think the simplicity and what they're averse to is faith itself. That, I, that is the simplicity, that, or...? I think so, yeah. I think uh, the simplicity is uh, faith. I, I think that's true. However, there is... They do bring up the fact that he's young many times, yeah. um, which is kind of on board with what Sam's saying, that, that there is, like... There is this feeling that, I don't know, he's t he's too young and not, not realized, not hardened. It's not that he's not, like, an older priest, although that, that does matter. Actually, it is that he's not an older priest. I don't know. They just mentioned it a few times. So there's like this. Uh, it's like someone who hasn't this, uh, wrestled right? with their faith and won, right? Like you're too young to. Sure. To have, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I, so he's like so he's like unconvincing. His appearance is unconvincing when I, he like mm, is around. I disagree with this. I think this is kind of like the stomach cancer, where it's like the like the in film plot. You know explanation of sorts no i think i think, I think like his the, youngness like i think his youngness no. is about his childlike naivete and simplicity right and faith well sure but it's also the reason to a childlike view is no, talked that, about a lot so that's i don't think that's wrong but it, it's also the case that for instance when the school children tease him and play a trick on him mm -hmm. it's hard to imagine that they would do that to like a more wizened priest if not just older but like more like less gaunt in good health, powerful looking. Like this is all this is all supposition, but like there's something about his extremely meek nature that makes him both a good vessel for like naivety and like I don't know, like the redemption through like childlike naivety. But also this like you can easily you can easily write him off because of his age, appearance, health, things like this. Which does get brought up, I think, in conversation a couple times. No, yeah, 100%. I agree with all this. I'm saying one step further, like this is all proxy for faith in yeah. God. Yeah, that's fine. I agree. Yeah, yeah. So I had a take about the whole, the whole stomach right. thing. Oh, yeah, we have to talk um, about this. Yeah, so first I need to get a few of my ducks in a row. Sh Chantal, that's the, uh, you know, the girl or whatever. That's the, the suicidal end. girl. Yes. Uh, yes. And also, was she the one in the catechism class that knew the... Uh, no. The... Okay, that's different. That girl. is a different little girl. Okay. I only... Okay, I, I just had to clear that up. Her name is Syphilis. Yeah, yeah okay. That's right. Um, <laughs> Sisyphus? Her name's Sisyphus. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 
so a few things here, right? So so at the beginning in that in that class, they were talking about the Eucharist. So they were talking about like Last Supper, body and blood of Christ. You know, yeah. That girl was the only one who knew, and then of course the only thing that um, uh, Mister Priest Boy, Young Thug Priest, uh, eats and drinks is bread and wine. You know, yeah. Uh, so there's obviously. Yeah. Even though it's like he's a priest, so and like that sort of like ascetic lifestyle, like it makes sense mm-hmm. for him to just be eating like bread and no, you're, drinking you're water spot on here. But you know he's he's he all he does is consume. You know mm-hmm. we we can take this liberty to you know yeah 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 he's, he's no, 100%. constantly you know yeah, he only consumes Christ. Con- yes, exactly. The body is ill fit for anything. Sinful as well. And he's a Christ what I, consumer. What I thought was interesting was, you know, the older, his, like, his, like, boss, the older priest? Yeah. That, like, constantly yeah. berates him and stuff. Tarsi. Doesn't he, doesn't he come Tarsi. in at one point and see the wine and uh, he, like, also assumes that he's a drunk, right? No, no. In the beginning of that scene, he says, I don't think you're a drunk. Well, I, I, thought, <laughs> I thought he said that, but then he went on to say, like, oh, we're all... We're all sons and daughters of drunks around here. Yeah, that's why I don't get. It's it like, seems like there's multiple implications that the priest has fetal alcohol syndrome, like unironically, because the first the first time. So I don't mean to be interrupting, but you know, like the priest of Torsi, the older priest, right earlier in the mm-hmm. film says, like it's not what you've drank; it's what was drunk for you, long before you were born, right? Yeah. And so there, I'm thinking, oh, he's talking about the Last Supper. He's talking about the original this, that. sin. <laughs> the original sin but then in that scene i think he like more explicitly s- s- uh, implies that the priest is his mo- like the priest's mother was drinking alcohol when he had is the that priest he has fetal alcohol syndrome no unironically <laughs> am i the only one thinking this like it was so explicit i was like what is going nope. on with oh. this fetal alcohol syndrome implication oh dude anyway but when he says this will make you <laughs> sick or whatever when he's drinking the wine and he's like um uh, mm-hmm. He's like, oh, he sees it, and he's like, oh, of course, or no, he, someone walks in, and he steps up, and the wine shatters, right? Yeah, that's the priest of Torsi. Yeah, and I thought the implication was that the wine itself was, I thought there was maybe an implication the wine itself was, like, unhealthy. Yeah, like, I thought it was, like, moldy. Old wine. Yeah, 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 yeah like, moldy too. old wine from that mm-hmm. barrel in the beginning of the film. Because it holds, it holds on the wine, too, after the, yeah. the glass or the, the bottle is broken. Spilling Christ blood. So I can't believe you guys think, aren't on board with the fetal alcohol syndrome. <laughs> I think um, it crossed my mind. Or the implication. <laughs> so there's the priest of Torsi character. He's like a he's like a pretty cynical priest. You know, he's like constantly, you know, saying like, oh, you know, you're not ready for this. The church doesn't need love anymore. It just needs like stern, a stern hand. You know, like he's a pretty, he's pretty cynical and like, and like. Uh, worldly priest it seems like would you guys agree with this uh no. sure i think worldly was a decent uh oh yeah i, I think, think that yeah. was a better word i think he, like he, yeah he's, not... he's a bit more worldly but i i think we still believe in him okay i i just think like i just think like constantly whenever whenever people are sitting down um <laughs> with with our priest i don't know how did i forget his name what the Torsi? I I don't know his name. No, our oh, priest. The priest. I don't, I, know, I don't his name. know. I don't know if he even has okay. a name. Literally us. Yeah, he's just priest. Okay. Yeah, us. All you right. could refer to him as me. I'll call him. Yeah, I'll call him me. So like <laughs> when, when, I... when 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but when when people are sitting down with him and like and like seeing him drink the wine, I feel like there are multiple instances where people are like, "Oh, you can't be drinking that." Like this yeah. is, yeah, you know what I mean? They're like co- yeah. commenting on how it's unhealthy constantly. And I think that it, I think that is, you know, meant to be like the the world is surrounded by sin, right? And uh, everyone is trying to bring him away from from consuming Christ constantly, right? They're trying yeah. to take him off the sort of faithful track. And, you know, even the priest sort of does this when he when he shames him for the wine or, you know, whatever the, the intention was on the part of the older priest. Like, everyone's just trying to constantly drag him away from faithfulness and communion with God. Uh, but he like he like slavishly keeps uh keeps this diet right mm-hmm. of of the bread and wine and that just shows you know it shows his dedication to his vocation and um how it like like just like the because if you if you did this in real life it'd obviously be really unhealthy and yeah and I think that's what what it shows is like if you if you're trying to live like a pure purely faithful life like it is going to um like affect you it's going to affect your health like mm-hmm. like psychologically and and physically by uh by just like you know yeah ser- constantly serving god and all that so based so true and if i could provide an anecdote to bolster your view ever heard of a guy called abraham Lincoln? anyway so <laughs> yeah. Right. So Abraham, I'm just this is all just gonna be Kierkegaard fear and trembling. But part of Abraham's right, Abraham's the father of faith and all this stuff, right? You know, we're all we're all yeah. on board with the story of Abraham. So anyway, uh and Kierkegaard talks about how uh like Abraham, blah blah blah, super based, uh he his virtue, like what is his virtue, right? And he he's responding to this Hegelian thing about like Hegelian universals where like something is either good for like you or the society at large and stuff like this and how Abraham's act of faith um, is good for no one other than for like, uh, like God himself. And anyway, the man of faith operates outside of like totally outside of the world. Um, And I think uh, his like drinking or like his diet, like is even, like an act of faith in terms of like operating outside the realm of like the human body and what is good for someone. And it's just like, you know, uh, right. Right. He doesn't well, it's care. It's just like textbook, like asceticism, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. one of those things where it's like, it's like both the symbol and the thing, like they're indistinguishable. Mm-hmm. Like the, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Like, no, I think you're right. And sin and like unhealth, right. Or like the sin and his sickness, yeah. Go hand in hand as as well. And if I might if we're done with that real quick, I just want to quote the fetal alcohol syndrome accusation, which I think is crystal clear. Uh priest from Torsi walks in, listen, I'm not angry with you, and I don't take you for a drunk. We country people of these parts are all more or less drunkards children. The doctor put his finger on the trouble right off. You were born pickled in the stuff, my poor friend. I'm sure you had no idea. But you slowly drifted into expecting from wine the strength and courage you might have gotten from a good roast. 
So he's not accusing him of being a drunk, but of being like malformed because yeah. his mother I, was a I drunk, that such now. that like the, his body is looking for food in wine. Like he, he, you know, the body expects sustenance from wine. But what I haven't parsed is what this actually means, right? Because right, here's some, right, whatever, like the surface level observation. But what is it really mm-hmm. about, right? He's look, you know, I mean, I think, I mean, obviously feeds into the whole, right, consuming christ yeah. consumer being christ pilled yeah from the get-go from the get-go yeah his food like is that, that so of christ or, like, like and not of the world or something yeah so earlier on the movie can only consume tells him to look to mary i think because she's the uh, mother of humanity dude such daughter of humanity such a based excerpt and then uh you know so mother mother of humanity mother fetal alcohol syndrome alcoholic is there a connection there is he saying <laughs> Is he is he blaspheming the mother of God? Well, I'm also wondering if Brisson, Brisson, this whole film was just mad copium about his alcohol addiction, which he died from. I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> it took a little second. But... Is it, so wait, yeah, is this I a joke? I don't, I don't know if he yeah, died. Wait, that was yeah, wait, joke. wait, Sam, oh, is what a joke? His death. How did he die? <laughs> Wait, do you think he died of what Steven said? <laughs> no, well, no, I don't know. He just, that he... <laughs> died. he died at a horse race. He fell from the stands. <laughs> he fell off his horse. Yeah. Steven, Steven, said, yeah. Steven said he died uh, from a copium overdose. Oh, yeah. oh, I thought you said something about alcohol. I think he got hit by a bus. Classic. <clears throat> she is, Orkana. of course, the mother yeah, of mankind. He hit, he hit the bus. <laughs> I like. Can I read that section? She is, of course, oh, pray to the Holy Virgin. She is, of course, the mother of mankind, but she is also its daughter. The ancient world, the world before grace, rocked her in its cradle for centuries, and its old hands protected the wondrous young girl whose name it didn't even know. I'll just stop there. Very based. But I like that it refers to a time, right, like the, the ancient world before grace, and it makes me think of the place that the countess wishes she could take her and her child right? The place outside of God where they could be there, even if it meant enduring, you know, the worst suffering imaginable at every moment. She'd want to go there with her child and taunt God. Mm -hmm. Like this place outside of God. It's interesting. I like that. I mean, are we in agreement that the the dialogue with the Countess is actually based? (laughs) As contrary to maybe cringe? (laughs) It's certainly not cringe. It's certainly not cringe. You don't think it's based? Wait, can you read it again? Know. Can you read it again? Well, I'm talking about I'm talking about the Countess, the whole, his whole the encounter. Whole, oh, 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 yeah, the, the whole. The, what I just read was what the 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 priest gives advice, the final advice oh, to, uh, or the the Torsi priest. But but the dialogue with the Countess, wherein he brings her from despair to faith, uh, I thought was actually so epic, and I really like uh, the line, um, you know, death is difficult most you know most difficult for the proud and i thought that was kind of cool she is i think that scene yeah, like that, walks... that scene is the most blurry for me um in terms of what was actually said <clears throat> yeah check the receipts check the transcripts there's uh there's no heaven or hell there's only one place and it's under god yeah that's based yeah i thought that was a i think that was a cool uh I like that line. I'll say that line is base. 
Yeah, where is it? Yeah, too bad it's heretical, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, right. He brings her. You're throwing a challenge. Da, da, da. Dude, isn't it while Troy's looking up this up? Yeah. Isn't it crazy how people wake up every day in hell and they don't even realize it? So true. <laughs> well, how? People, sorry, go people on. look at people look at an ant on the ground and think, "Hmm, I'm gonna step on this," but don't realize that they are the ant. <laughs> so true. <laughs> that, no, that's what I call true. <laughs> well, can someone explain to me how a virgin had a baby? Could someone go ahead and replicate that? Yeah. <laughs> quantum. Could someone go? Quantum can, I, can, I get a, can I get a quick? Uh, can I get a? Yeah. Can I get a quick laboratory condition? Quantum. Quantum <laughs> conception. Quantum yeah. tunneling conception. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same. Did you see? Ten to the ten to the ten Ellsworth's to the ten homework to the ten assignment seconds. where he had to calculate the probability of a can of soda randomly tipping over due to quantum tunneling. No. No, I'm unaware of this. And he did, he did <laughs> calculate it. It was pretty epic. But yeah, we need you to calculate the odds of uh, Mary, uh, a baby appearing in her uh, in her body due to yeah, quantum. I actually, I should look that up. I bet, I bet some schizos. Yeah, I bet some schizos really done something. it, and I bet, uh, you know, give it fifty years, and that'll be the uh, that'll be the yeah. scientific explanation. Turns out the world is actually going to become insanely Christian. But based on quantum. a scientific quantum explanation of uh, the I virgin mean, birth I mean, and the resurrection, what are the odds talk. that the molecules in his brain would realign such that the blood could? <laughs> that the blood? Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. What are, what are the sounds, odds? Quantum, pretty, quantum resurrection. What are, what are the odds that she that delivers a baby through her quantum tunnel? Again. <laughs> 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 Well, anyway, <laughs> wait. Can we go back to this to to the conversation? Yeah, that he has with the countess. Because again, it, oh yeah, like, he saves her. Can, yeah, can you can you? Because uh, again, like this is this is. I, when I say it, this is like the blurriest part of the movie for me. Like I just didn't understand what was going on in the in the discussion. Um, yeah, walk me through. Maybe we can find that. Yeah. Don't, Could anyone? Don't, can anyone don't give me a keyword? Don't let hold my hand through this, Troy. Don't, can anyone, do not let can Troy anyone, convince you of anything. <laughs> madness? Maybe he says madness. Can anyone can, provide me with this, a word so I can looking for a term used in that discussion that I can control F and find it in the script? I don't know. Place. Um, oh, <laughs> no, imper imperious. The <laughs> oh yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah my back against the wall before this imperious woman okay yeah here we go yeah good line <laughs> uh he murdered that woman he well this is such a her. long discussion i don't know i mean i'm honestly down to go through it phrase by phrase no well, we but, don't have to I, I mean the the context right is that she's yeah, she's maybe. grappling with the death of her son right yeah and yes. and also simultaneously with her faith because of it right yes all right i'll give the epic rundown Woman has lost her son. Based. Okay. As soon as I, <laughs> right before I started to give the rundown, I was about. To, I was thinking, I've got this all in my mind. I can totally give an epic oration right now. I lost it as soon as I could. Anyway, oh, she, she, she's lost she's her just son. Like if God real, why bad thing happened? No, no, no. <laughs> I don't know. She's got this. She okay. Well, so she she's a woman un, not resigned, right? And so. To be unresigned is like to desire something uh, humanly, 
to, to desire someone of the to desire something of the human world and think it uh, possible, right? So like she wants nothing more than her child back. She's obsessed with this child. She thinks that uh, she will get the child back uh, by like dying and going to heaven mm -hmm. and rejoining. And so she like she sees herself as resigned in one context, aka life is essentially over for me, right? The world. The world is over for me. I will just wait to die, and then I can be with my child again. Blah, blah, blah. She just wants the child. She has not yet granted that her reunion with her child is a human impossibility. Would be the the read, I think. Like, she... Oh. Anyway, so... I don't know. Whatever, man. <laughs> Well, at first it sounded like just a very, like, sort of typical, like, the setup to the scene seemed like it was just going to be about, like, the the more, like, stereotypical, like, why did God do bad thing, you know? Why, you know, but it, I think, I think that's where I kind of got lost, is it didn't go in that direction. Um, wait, does anyone disagree with Troy's, like, synopsis there of, like... Like her 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 life on Earth is is essentially valueless. It's just waiting until she can be, uh, until she has like you know this reunion with her dead son. Yeah, that sounds accurate. Okay, and then and then how exactly does he reel her back? So, let me read some things here. Uh, after putting up with all these years of countless infidelity, so okay, right? So the the governor is having, or not the governor, the man is having an affair with the governess, this third woman that I don't even know if we interact with, right? And this is why Chantel is so upset when she comes to him. She says, you know, I can't believe this. I heard them through the window, blah, 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 yeah. right? Daddy is having sex with the governess, some mm. lady, right? I don't get why she's so mad about oh, it. Oh, that's right. Mad. That's the woman at the beginning, so, right? Who, who... Yeah, so, oh. so the priest is, so the priest, right? He, the girl comes to him. He reads Suicide in Her Eyes. And with a divine intuition, As for the uh, note. says, give me the suicide note, mm -hmm. right? That he couldn't have known about. And she says, you must be the devil, right? Um, so responding to this situation, right? The, and so Chantel asks him to, it's implied, right? Like to, to fulfill his promise, right? Do what I promise, whatever, right? And he says, I'll do it. And do it is to, I think, go to the family and discuss this issue, right? This issue of infidelity. So I think that that like the countess, like he kind of broaches or whatever. Anyway, the countess says, after putting up all these years of countless infidelities, suffering absurd humiliations, shall not, shall I now as an old woman to which I'm well resigned, open my eyes, put up a fight, take chances for what? So I think this whole open my eyes, put up a fight, take chances for what is like return to the world of God, wherein, um, like love and sin and right and wrong and all these like you know, possibly transcendent, but also like immense suffering takes place. Like this world of suffering and goodness, right? Right now, she's like resigned herself from that world and is now just, right, sitting and waiting to die, I think, to rejoin her son, right? She doesn't want to return to the world in which, right, she, she, fights, to put up a fight. she takes yeah. chances, right? Yeah. She risks suffering and possibly gains good and love. Anyway. Uh, and he's saying, be careful of what, of whom, of, let's not jump, but I don't want to read the whole thing. I'm trying to find the key points, but that's my, that'd be the lines I think that speak to the, her 
right? She she's removed herself from the world of God, which is the world of meaning mm-hmm. and risk taking and fighting and such things. Right, blessed is the sin that teaches a shame. Right, he's trying to get a return to that. Like the world of shame is the world of God. Anyway. I don't want to just mumble through here looking for the good lines. Maybe you guys could discuss something. <laughs> the world of shame is the world of God? Well, uh, the world of God is a world in which shame takes place. Not to say shame is godly, but like I think the world without God is like this right, empty material world in which she can just sit there and wait to die. Right? There's no, there's no drama. There's no good or evil sin and virtue. No shame, no guilt, no... Is the shame that he's referring to specifically in being cheated on? The sin, yeah. He said, blessed is sin if it teaches... Oh, no, he's... She says, there's nothing in my past to blush about. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, you know... uh, Like, she's saying, you know, like, all things are permitted or something. You know, like... I don't know, maybe. I don't know. Do I have a channel? God has broken me. You know, he took my son from me. What more can he do to me? I no longer fear him. God took him away. And then he says, he says to say, like, if you become hard, right, and live a life without love, which he later says is synonymous with God, uh, you will be eternally lost from your son. Right? And she's like, are you blackmailing me? You know, blasphemy? God doesn't take revenge. Right, so she reads him as saying, like, if you don't come back to Christ, you're never going to see your gun again, your son again, mm-hmm. or your gun again. You're never going to get your gat. <laughs> are you t- are you really drinking that right now? No, it's an empty can of Elsmore's drinking twisted tea <laughs> at six a.m. Tweeze. <laughs> anyway, this is no, starting no, to feel no, a little I dry. Can't. I think I'm doing a little too much talking. But are we like? She she reads his. No, I like where you're going. Yeah, she reads his saying of, right, like, if you turn your way from God and love and you, you know, absorb this life of hardness and whatever, right, you'll never see your son, you'll, you're, you're going to become distant from your son. She says blasphemy, right? She thinks he's saying that, you know, you're, you're going to, you're not going to be reunited with your son in heaven, right? In which, and then he clarifies, uh, well, and she says no sin could make such a punishment just. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he has this little right moment of insane sickness, and then he becomes empowered, right? And says, um, uh, well, she says, love is stronger than death. The scripture says so. Fuck. If you would love, don't place yourself beyond love's reach. There is a word. No one does that. I don't know. He does all this dope shit. I'm trying to find the line where he talks about the separate world, but. But I like this little section where he talks about um no one can no one knows what can come of an evil thought in the long run. Our hidden faults poison the air, others breathe, you'd never get through the and then she's like, You're crazy, right? She's like, You'd never get through the day if you dwelt on such thoughts. And he says, That is true. I believe if God gave us a clear idea of how closely we are bound to each other in good and evil, we truly could not live. And then he start, and then he gets her to resign herself. I don't know. But that's a that's a part I'm trying to get to is like what actually reels her back because I feel like that's sort of that's central to give up on her son. She the the like 
Kierkegaardian resignation is like one must. Let me. I have it actually. I have it here. In, but is it in order to rein, reunite with her son? She has to. Yeah. Give up some, so, some sort of but, like you, you have to let go to hold on. Or... Yeah. Let me think. Uh, or let me train. The resignation. I. I don't know. I. I want to summarize it, but I tried to pull up this text, but now I'm not finding. Resignation, believer. There's no faith unless the believer takes... Okay, so basically, like, the resignation is, like, you know, giving up everything, all, like... Oh, fuck. Anyway, yeah. In, I think, in summary, the idea is that she can only get... She can return to her son through love and through God, but she can only return to that love and to God if she acknowledges that her son is gone and she resigns that desire for him to be back. Like... I don't know. It's like uh, explicitly a paradox of like um, through faith, through God, you can only through God, the absurd, can you have that thing? And to get to God, you must completely give up earthly or human hopes of having that thing. Mm. And like she like... I'm not, it's not super crystal clear to me. Like this is kind of at the edge of my, you know, uh, abilities, but she says, you know, do you swear? And he says, you can't bargain with God, mm. right? Like she's saying, oh, if I give him up, I'll get him back. You know, like if I commit this resignation, then I'll have faith and I'll get him like you swear. And like, like she's trying to make like a disingenuous re resignation, right? Like trying to make a deal like, oh, if I resign, I'll get faith. And if I get faith, I'll get my child. Yeah. And he's saying, you can't make deals. It needs to be true resignation, like truly give up on this concept, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, because if, I don't if, know. if, if, if is... she didn't, if it were like the bargain, uh, if it were a bargain, then it would just be giving up, would be just born out of the desire to have what she wants, like to have her son, which would be disingenuous. Yes, yes okay. right. He says, uh, you can't bargain with God. You must yield to him unconditionally. But I can assure you there isn't one kingdom for the living and one for the dead. There's only the kingdom of God and we are within it. And then doesn't she write a note that he reads after she dies where she says, I want yes. nothing, I'm happy? Yes, and I can read this note if you'd like. Um, no, I don't think so. I just wanted to... Clarify. Although I, might, I want to illuminate that because one thing I was confused about was the medallion. Mm -hmm. Right. I think in her rage to like resign herself from her desire for her son, she throws the medallion into the fire and he pulls it out, calling her a crazy bitch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or I don't know how it translates in French, you know, some you know, wicked cunt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, in her note, she says, or in, so he says, uh, gave me a parcel from the countess. I knew what was in it. Small medallion, now empty, in its broken chain. There was a letter as well. Uh, Dear Father, the hopeless memory of one young child had had me isolated from everything in a terrifying solitude, and it seems as if another child has drawn me out of it. I hope I don't hurt your pride by calling you a child. You are one, and may God keep you so always. I ask myself how you did it, or rather how, or rather I have ceased to ask ask all is well i didn't believe resignation was possible and in fact it's not resignation that's come over me i am not resigned i'm happy i desire nothing i had to tell you these things this very evening 
We shall never speak of them ever again, shall we? Never. It is a good, it is good, that word never. I feel it expresses beyond words the peace you have given me. And that's it. And then the Countess died last night. I don't know, man. I don't mean to pretend like I totally understand the mechanics of this event. And neither do I pretend to understand the mechanics of God, but I love him nonetheless with all my heart. God's that not is, real. That's an excerpt from my diary. <laughs> Can we read your diary next? Can that be the next podcast? Yeah. About your diary? <laughs> diary of a city idiot. <laughs> <laughs> diary of a wimpy gamer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, right. I feel like that that was pretty. I mean, that definitely cleared a lot up for me. But like, again, like it, I guess the the sort of like more cringe but clear way of putting it is, yeah. In order to hold on, you have to let go. But I I don't know for me because like this isn't typically this is not a typical movie for me. Nor is the discussion that it's having. Uh, typical either um but like where god like is it necessary for god to come into play into a conversation like that you know like how do you guys see like the necessity of god in that discussion because i feel like it isn't necessary but maybe you guys feel differently elaborate isn't is like 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 letting go of you know the the i guess how you put it, would you put, like, earthly desire of, like, having her child back. Um, that it's necessary uh, to have some sort of faith in God in order to let go. Or, like, well, I, like what's the necessity I, of God in, in, in that conversation? Um, well, without God, you are eternally severed from the child. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, and through faith, she's able to uh, rejoin with it. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, but I think I think God is essential to the conversation because I think what I one thing I like about the film that is maybe different from like Winter Light is um, God is discussed more as. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's not in contrast to Winter Light too much, but like it's it's a it's a it's like the thing which. Right, imbues life with, or, or, like she isolates herself from God, where God is conceived of as like a life in which there's good and evil and sin and risk and shame and fighting and right, like a world of meaning and things like this. And I think those things are uh, impossible uh, without God, uh, especially in this context. Mm. So like, because because she returns to that wait, world and gains peace. Wait, what's impossible without God? Um. Uh, you getting pussy? <laughs> um. <laughs> fuck. A world. Uh, I don't know. I guess a meaningful world, a meaningful life. And uh, do you think that's true in this context? Uh, a uh, a joining with. Her well, that's the argument that he's I making. I think. I think. I think it is true with a Kierkegaardian conception of God. I don't think it's like Dostoevsky. I mean, I think Dostoevsky is kind of on the screen a little bit, but like, uh, 
I think Dostoevsky is more concerned with like an all things are permitted type God. You know? No. Yeah. I think I understand what you mean. Only not only in the sense that Dostoevsky uh, instantiates faith as a means of like not turning to evil. And that's what he's interested in. It isn't as much about individual salvation. It's about salvation through not being bad. Uh, and how you can save people from themselves and their bad decisions, very clearly bad. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like, it's less, uh, it's less, it's less confused, you know, or something like that. Not to say Kierkegaard's literally confused, but more like Kierkegaard deals with confusion more or something, or like the ambiguity is something that like Kierkegaard necessarily like deals in or something like that contends with. Yeah, I think more so contradiction maybe than ambiguity. Is that fair? I don't know. Um, maybe. I, I I get what I'm saying. I'm saying um, like these people. Like I think Dostoevsky would see people who it's like right, all things are permitted, right? Like just like material relativism, subject and all this stuff. Um, just like an empty life where nothing matters, or an empty material world where nothing is imbued with like meaning, is like it you know, is a place of godlessness of sorts. Uh, whereas I think in, in this film and the more Kierkegaard take, although I'm not an expert, would be more like like their desire to go to that place, right? As we see in this woman is in fact like just a, a manifestation of the God they know exists inside them. Like the life like that is and their desire to like flee from it and like spite God and things like this. Um like I, like I think, uh, uh, like, like one cannot help but, uh, like, uh, let me think here. What do you do? You have a response or a question or something, or you want me to just? Uh, I don't know. I'm just thinking. I'm just, I'm just feeling it out, feeling, feeling yeah. the room out a little yeah. bit, and I'm seeing why, uh, why not just be, why not just use different terms and be agnostic and still have a life full of meaning. What, like, in a more broad sense. Yeah, I just think I don't think they're discussing God. No, as... beyond, beyond, beyond. Just, I guess now it's moving beyond the movie or something like that. Or like, oh, why, yeah. why couldn't one? Well, that's kind of what I and was. It, that's it, kind of what I was saying. Sorry, mm, sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. It, so, so like, yeah, in a, yeah. if you just change it, shifted to a contemporary example, where a woman is, you know, she's lost her son and she clings to him, you know, and she has mm. to learn to give him. So you shifted to a contemporary, you know, they're living in an urban city, you know, in America or something like that. Yeah. Like or country, who cares? Does she, like, does one actually need, you know, faith to get out of that, like? as a whole or something like that and not just faith but like including all of the terminology and things like this mm-hmm. like calling it god and things like that yeah i think the terminology becomes super muddied but they want they being whatever like sure sure Kierkegaard and things like this want to use retain the same terminology since they see their conception of god mm-hmm. as the source of the you know more classical cringe god right so like i don't think like, I don't think uh, this woman would have to have, you know, uh, faith in, you know, faith in God to, you know, properly overcome this hardship. If we're talking about faith as like, you know, if we, it, 
I think the cringe conception of faith is faith being synonymous with belief, right? And the base conception is like faith as, you know, uh, a belief only within the frame of like the subjective, like the, the, the total individual subjective experience of life and whatnot. So like, I think, and I think that's part of why he, this like, this conception of God as being like an element of an individual subjectivity and like the element that gives rise to um, like the meaningful perception and operation in the world. Uh, he struggles with the fact that it is like he, his role is to communicate it and to transfer it and to bestow it as a priest. Uh, and yet it's a thing that only like he himself may have and other people may have and like it's it's incommunicable i think anyway uh so like i think like i think like if some woman right like right like your example sure um like i think the analogy to this woman in the film would be some like you know she would just say oh well life is like you know i'll resi i'll resign myself I can't have my son back and you know so she injects massive amounts of copium and it's just like well life is life like i'll resign myself from a life in which like meaning is existing because it's you know so tremendously suffering and blah 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 and um like it doesn't matter maybe that my son is dead like oh i don't know or like yeah like i'm enduring this tremendous suffering but I understand that that's like a part of life in a non-trivial sense. Truly recognizing that's a part of what it is to live is to endure immense suffering or have the potential to it. It's like a state. And then, I don't know, like proceed with life in all the other areas that she can still find some sort of solace in. Whether it be, you know, her community or an interest, you know, whatever. You're saying be. this would be the proper operation. Well, I'm saying this would be the alternative like if you're not going to evoke the name god or have mm -hmm. a faith or have an argument that deals expressly with faith terms or no sorry not faith religious terms um yeah then you could still make an argument to like have faith in life like and like right. and it's like necessity like why you should continue existing that just sounds like kind of a, like an absurdist argument of like uh like life as suffering where like it doesn't offer any any explanation or justification you know there's no like there's no like uh framework to like parse events other than just like saying well you know life is suffering and uh but it's not only you, suffering but yeah move on yeah, yeah. it's not yeah, only not yeah but you're right you're it includes incorporates suffering yeah like so i think i think the you you know if, if we're going to talk about this like purely in terms of like utility like it's just there's more utility in having like this framework to sort of to uh to like apply to to these sorts of situations i feel like you're you're um, you're but, saying that or at least implying that there is no other framework what did I say? Well, like you're saying, it's just like, oh, well, if 
I'm just saying having a framework aside from um, just uh, just kind of identifying the absurdity of something. Yeah, and, and saying like, you're saying the religious framework, right? And having that like a like a religious yeah. framework, not necessarily a Christian. Sure, framework. but but doesn't I mean but, at least the idea of an afterlife here is actually partially what muddies the waters, right? It's because she she's acting under the assumption that she will see her child again in the afterlife, which actually yeah, makes it is, harder for her. And and yeah, this is what the priest is combating. Mm-hmm. Like I think the real life analogy, right? Like you see it, like you see it a lot, right? Someone loses their child, son, mother, whatever, and you know, to me at least, in part, like they cope with it with you know a, an afterlife conception. Yeah. And I think the the priest in this case, and also whatever, it's just not the proper mode. You the the advice would be like, no, you know, you you're you're actually by just saying, well, I guess I'm done. You know, and I'll just wait till, you know, they just say, oh, well, he's not really dead. You know, I'll, you know, mm-hmm. engage with him, you know, in some afterlife, right? This is like a denialism and this is like, uh, mm-hmm. this is like a denial of God in the sense that like, it, 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 you know, to use the religious term that isn't exactly on par with that person's conception of God. Like, no, like you have to, you have to embrace, I think this is like in part what Stephen was saying, I guess, but, um, like no, that's copium, and you're actually just distancing yourself from God, love, life, etc., which is the only way in which you you can retain a semblance of connection with your dead person. Mm-hmm. And uh, like you need to return, you know, return to the return and resign yourself to the fact that you know your child is dead, and mm-hmm. you know it is a human impossibility for you to interact with them in any sense. And that you will never interact with them in any sense again. They are dead. And and only through this like resignation and acceptance and like experience of uh you know, like the reality of your human existence, uh, will you be able to find peace with your son and your your life and things like this. Yeah, I mean, I'm on board. But the only the only question is like why, you know, I mean, so now you switch to the modern example where, like, you know, not everyone's not necessarily using the terminology of God, but instead, I don't know, just try and reach that same conclusion. Do you do you really like use this other terminology, or do you have thing other like terms like uh, faith in life, faith in life itself, or mm-hmm. something like that, and like the the like potential beauty, you know? which mm-hmm. which is which necessitates suffering or like suffering like gives rise to beauty and things like that yeah like beauty and suffering and all these things are found in the same space but i think this i think the like the space and the world that she ought to return to right rather than isolate herself from yeah but i think this is um the like this is the domain of like the radical subjective like view of the world wherein like like there's no material there's no there's no material life itself that gives rise to these things. Mm-hmm. And so like this quote unquote mystery of beauty, love, life, etc., like the, the mystery of the world in which, right, things matter, so to say. Uh that mystery uh I think is what's referred to as God here. Mm-hmm. And I, I I think maybe it is just a lack of 
a lack of diction, right? I don't know what word, right, we would use, right? You, one might say, oh, evolutionarily, but I think that that's still going to fall short. Yeah, that, def like material, that, def material that definitely falls short. Yeah, that definitely yeah. falls short. So I think the mystery is what is 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 being named God. Yeah, or yeah, or like the mysterious source of the the meaningful life. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. So I think yeah, I think yeah, I think it'd be fair. God is the mysterious source of the meaningful life, which the woman ought to return to rather than isolate herself from. I don't know, but it. I mean, not to like. It just sounds. But it sounds like it's the subjective life. Can you just say like, can you just like, what is what is the God source in this case? I thought I, I agreed with what you were saying in terms of the radical subjectivity is that's the space uh, in which things are like taking place and beauty and suffering are all created mm -hmm. uh, and emerge and you can engage, interact and engage with them. But like, that sounds like the sources are, so it's, this is just coming down to like, a fundamental cause like god is the fundamental cause for why you can have a subjectivity like why everything exists anywhere i think i think the right you're saying the the, the meaningful life right suffering beauty etc right i'm just going to keep calling it the meaningful okay life. the yeah. meaningful life i think the way i'm framing it takes place only in the radical subjective experience yes and god is the name for what gives right the mysterious source of the meaningful life within the radical subjective space. Okay. Right, because like one can't pinpoint anything else in yeah, that reminds the radical me of, subjective space. That reminds me of the master signifier from Lacan, which he literally calls God, which is interesting. But Yeah, I think, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Like the signifier which sets off the chain of all signified. So like yeah. you can't have symbols without a symbol that doesn't that it itself doesn't make any yeah. sense and yet somehow guarantees the rest yeah the unsymbolizable uh, un unsymbolizable symbolizer yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> aristotle was so close yeah but yeah but yeah and, i think this is fair and i but, think this but, is but, uh, what i'm on but, board with yeah but the only thing he says is that the master signifier uh can be different things besides god so he makes the argument that like many different symbols can operate that way for people um in terms of the radical subjectivity so you might say that like the person who's like super into politics like like such that it dominates their life right like all the time they're yeah. thinking about politics but maybe they themselves aren't a politician right they're just like some joe Schmo, yeah, yeah. they have to get the job uh that like the political enterprise and civic duty itself the united states for instance becomes the master signifier and like it it sets off the chain of signification um mm -hmm. in a in a way that's sufficient though it might not lead to a lifestyle that we like or want mm -hmm. it's sufficient to grant people this subjective world that they can now interact with it like it guarantees yeah. their whole structure or something like that i agree with that but i think like maybe the political example is like not the best example I agree that the right the political thing can take the place of a master signifier in someone's life, but that like one can I think we could right easily identify like uh more fundamental signifiers for like a political uh obsession, so to say. 
And maybe if I agree with all that, with what you said, then I also want to say that perhaps God, right, is like the title for the best master signifier. Yeah, well, that, like this. right. So I figured you were going to say it. Then the only thing that you probably want to agree with, and this is the con phrase, is that like his famous thing is the master signifier does not exist. It does not exist. And it, and it can be free-floating because it doesn't exist. Um, but whatever. I imagine yeah, you Yeah, I'd want to know what he means by doesn't exist. Well, it has to do with it's the fact that it could be located in other things. It can find itself in other things for different people based on the subject. The subject chooses it, or doesn't consciously choose it, but rather it becomes a thing, a symbol becomes that for them. Um, but yeah. You're just saying, he's saying no... There is no objective the, the fact, master signifier. There are only oh, yeah. master signifiers for subjects. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. All right. But I, I don't. I, I mean, that's fairly stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Who me? Yeah, you got something. Uh. Uh. No, I don't think it'd be of value. <laughs> I, I think I'd just be. I think I'd just be retreading old points mm -hmm. you guys made so. well unless something has, has more on this specific topic my concern is that we're getting too wrapped up in this uh stuff that's in, outside the film well, no this no the theology podcast no now. it's this is definitely not outside the film but you know we don't want to be uh we don't want to be like the pharmacist and you know become distracted by our quote-unquote intellectual lives and ignore the uh the mastery and emotional richness of this film. You gotta love it when as just, he as he's as the guy's dying, he's like, I just would have rather if I were to give up my faith, I would have rather been with someone I love. And then he says and he says like uh not not for the intellectual life. And then as it fades out, he's you hear this the the uh atheist going like uh I actually I totally disagree. Yeah. Like I don't I totally disagree. <laughs> and then it just fades out, cuts them off. I did like that. I liked I liked yeah, the I whole that was cool. how painful it was for our guy to hear. Yeah. Not I mean it was painful for him to hear that he had, you know, denied his faith, but that not for a woman, not for the love of a woman, but for some, you know, intellectual life. Yeah. Is pretty funny. Uh and also so true, so sad. Can we talk more about <clears throat> his death? Like in the the final scenes, sure. Um, I guess again, starting with the the plot, he visits Dufredi. Yeah, I guess that's his name. Who was previously in the ministry? Yeah. They were both, uh, on the on the grind together, and then he just left it behind. Uh. uh yeah and like well i guess my question is why did he die there because i mean even even the the priest says like he's like god like please don't let me die here <laughs> right yeah yeah uh, <laughs> and then he dies there um like i don't know what do you guys see as being the what wait so what did Dufredi has a panic and leaves what does he go do he I goes forget. to a pharmacy i believe Oh, the panic yeah he goes to a pharmacy to try and get something uh, to yeah. help him in a panic and then he says like something about like the pharmacist was like you're an idiot the guy's dying like he's dead you can't do anything or something like this um i don't have maybe an instant take 
but I'm trying to find something maybe relevant. Like of all the people, I mean, like, like why did he even go and visit him in the first place? What like, I don't really see the point in that. And then didn't you say there's also another, um, movie that's very similar in plot, but it's different. There's an ending that's different. It's a response to this movie. Uh, taxi so driver. There, no, well, yeah, there's Winter. So Winter Light <laughs> is the best one, right? It's Winter Light's the best one in terms of the the triad of Winter Light, First Reformed, and this film. Right, Winter Light's responding to this. First Reformed's responding to both two, and then Taxi Driver is more just inspired by this. Yeah, yeah. but didn't you say there's one where the well, ending? Like, is but I do like the way in which. Difference? Sorry. Um. Oh, just well, well, it takes a turn. Like the beginning of both films, like there's a priest who is, you know, not in a crisis of faith per se, but struggles with faith mm -hmm. and uh, taking that leap. Um, they both both priests encounter someone suicidal who they understand to be suicidal, and um, uh, like say things to them or something. Actually, it's a little different in this one. Anyway, they interact with suicidal people and uh, struggle big time with their inability to properly communicate in any helpful way. Um, and like uh, just both films discuss faith in a, in a somewhat similar way. But um, uh, in Winter Light, things go differently uh, a little bit. Um, I'm trying to find... Oh, I have the motorcycle, the motorcycle scene. All right, so to your question about... Um, his death, I just, he talks about, he t when he's on the motorcycle, he talks about how he has a strong sense or he knows, let's see, he says, by some premonition I can't explain, I understood that God didn't want me to die without knowing something of this risk. Just enough for my sacrifice to be complete when its time mm -hmm. came. So I feel like he's saying something about how like, he knew he wasn't going to die on the motorcycle because like, his death, he understands, will be a form of sacrifice, and like, uh, like, like, the things required for him to die to complete the sacrifice, like, hasn't happened yet. What's the so, risk, though? I think I don't know. When I saw it, I thought he was saying about the risk of like <laughs> he wasn't afraid of being on the motorcycle without yeah. knowing something of this risk. Yeah, didn't yeah. want me to die Cause, without cause, knowing something. Oh, oh, yeah, because the motorcycle yes, driver asks him, "You're not scared? You're not scared to get on this? I'm happy." Or some, he says some line about like, "I'm, see. you know, come I'm on, happy you're you're, yeah, yeah." They're, hey, you ever ridden one of these? Want to try? Come on. And then they're riding. He says, "You're not frightened." Yeah. And then we hear narration. How could I feel so miraculously young then? Yes, as young as my companion. Things suddenly seemed simple. Youth is blessed. It's a risk you take, and even that risk is blessed. Mm. Oh, oh, okay. He's saying, I understood God didn't want me to die without knowing something of this risk. I felt like uh, so knowing something of like the, the risk of yeah. youth, of like just being risky and empowered and mm -hmm. young and things like this. So like, I guess he just felt like God wanted me to experience this sensation of young riskiness before I die. So he knew he wouldn't die. So maybe without knowing something of this risk, just enough for my sacrifice to be complete when it's time came. Oh, Okay. So he's saying he wanted he he understands that God wanted him to get on this motorcycle to feel the risk of youth and empowerment and the blessedness of youth 
that way uh, he will have a life in which he experienced that, which will amplify uh, the sacrifice of his death. Right? He want, I understood that God didn't want me to die without knowing something of this risk, and me paraphrasing a little bit, so that my sacrifice will be complete when its time came. So like just how valuable it is to be able to appreciate or to take those kinds of risks. Yeah, and something then, like and this. this yeah. is like what you're losing. This is the sacrifice. This is part of what, yeah, what is lost. It seems to me like that. Like God wanted it, like building up his life a bit so that it's a bigger thing that dies or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, so I don't know. It's a little so, bit non-ascetic. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's I think right. it's an important part of it. Eh, no, actually, it seems like. It seems I don't like know. Asceticism seems more material in nature. Actually, no. I scratched that from the record. Wait, what? Nothing. That's perfect. Doesn't, doesn't doesn't the argument in general to like experience the risk of youth or something like that? It just sounds like a line. It's not necessarily contradicting asceticism, but it just has the vibe of an argument someone would use that's living a non-ascetic lifestyle. You know, um, perhaps it's know. just saying there's more to life um, than the ascetic yeah. lifestyle. And that it yeah. is in it. It's not perfect, although it may have um, plenty of uh, pros. But it's not perfect, and it doesn't encapsulate all of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. We've all read BK, right? Huh? Oh yeah, yeah. We've all read yeah. Brothers Cameron's right? This is kind of like you know going into the world, but maybe a little bit. Like I mean, this world. yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, this priest cat, right? He's raised in the church, seminary, school, everything, right? This could be maybe his little foray into the the world of, you know, the world and like a risk taking youthfulness that he hasn't experienced. Mm. Yeah, throw a little richness in there. And yeah. then sure, <laughs> sure, whatever, dude. <laughs> whatever you say, man. Um, but then what leads him to do Freddy after receiving his diagnosis? Still back to the original yeah, what question. Yeah, he like? say? He says something. Uh. I do like the conversation a little bit with the foreign legion guy on the motorcycle. He says, I know Elsmore loved that. Um, he, he says, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure to, to, for him to go to DeFreddy, I'm pretty sure he says, I have to visit this one Reddit mod that I owe five bucks to. So true. Uh, some groomer. Also, I want to yeah. note that... I thought it was wild how he leaned over to the motorcycle guy and said i have to return some videotapes yeah. <laughs> yeah who knew that was a reference all along yeah um just a quick note that in the like little train station shop or whatever he drinks a cup of coffee and experiences a grand piece mm-hmm. which is maybe also in vain with the worldliness he's experiencing in the city right because it's mm-hmm. his first time he's eaten anything other than bread and wine that didn't make him extremely ill mm-hmm. um I also like, yeah, the first time when he drinks the other thing, right, at the other people's place, I think the little girl implies that they poisoned him, but also it's in line with just him becoming extremely sick when he encounters sin and or eats something other than bread and wine. Yeah. So the idea of going home, this is what he, he said. He loves the hustle and bustle. He loves the hustle and bustle. Yeah, maybe that's why <laughs> I think he heard he heard that this Dufredi guy had exposed brick in his <laughs> He says, uh, peaceful window, the idea of going home with this thing made me feel ashamed. And then it ends scene, and then it goes to, he's at the door of Dufredi. And he said, Abbot Dufredi had studied with me at the seminary before being assigned to a small parish. I knew he'd taken a leave from the ministry 
only because of illness. He was in shirt sleeves in those cotton pants he wears under a cassocks and barefoot in his slippers. It, and then you they know, start talking. Yeah, I don't know exactly may, why he comes maybe, maybe he just visits him because it's like, you know, he's a friend in town from my childhood. You know, just just like mm. if I were if I were in town, you know, I might go say hi to <laughs> some childhood friend. It's it, like, true. It, it, it's not it's not expressly just like he doesn't have yeah. it's never expressly mentioned why he's visiting him but the fact that they're old friends and he's in the town and he doesn't come to town often you know listen chud not everything has to have a meaning i think uh it the also are blue because they're blue well yeah. it's worth that's so funny it's worth noting right this guy is also sickly like him yeah they were friends they came from the same source and have ended up on very different paths and uh, he knows that he has turned away from faith. Uh, well, no, he doesn't know that. He knows um, that he left the seminary. You know, so maybe this is like one last. You know, like I'm in town, and I know someone who maybe I can be of use to. I don't know. Well, they are they are just sort of like set in. They're like uh, directly. Uh, um. What? Oh my God! It just seems like Contrasted. the fall. Yeah, right. He's yeah. he's the same. They're the same person gone, you know, opposite directions. One with a rich intellectual life. <laughs> I also got the sense that he actually did do it for the, or like, the 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 Dufretti guy is doing more for his woman, like for the love of a woman, than he is letting on. Because that woman seems really nice. And boy, is she good. She loves him so much. You know? And uh, it seemed like he doesn't understand how much she loves him. Is anyone picking up my drift? I can't say. I am. Wait, who? He talks. Repeat it. When he talks to DeFreddy's Def hoe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm pulling up the conversation okay. they have. And they weren't married, right? She Dude, says... Freddie and the woman, not married. She's... Huh? Freddie and the woman were married? Yeah. No, they're married. not married, and that's a point yeah. of issue. She says, I'm afraid you must think poorly of me. The room isn't tidied up and everything's dirty. You see, I leave to work at five in the morning, and I just don't have the strength anymore. What's your work? I'm a cleaning lady. The most tiring part is rushing from one place to another. What about his business? They say there's money in it, but he had to borrow for the office and the typewriter. Besides, he can't get around much. Are you married? No. I was the one against it. Why? Because of what he is, don't you see? I always hoped he'd get well at the sanatorium. A sanatorium... Let's see. I wasn't sure... Yeah, okay, never mind. What? For some reason, I always have... I always get the um, connotation of, like, insane asylum. But... It's really just a medical facility. Wait, isn't for it for the... psychiatric stuff? Uh, sanatorium is a medical facility for long-term illnesses, most typically oh. associated with treatment of tuberculosis in the yeah. 19th and early 20th century. Before. Yeah. And this is uh, okay, like a World right. War One type thing. No, you're anyway, right. So it's, I, it's when I was watching it, I was... sanitary. Yeah, when I was... Every time I heard it, though, when I was watching it, I was getting connotation of like, you know, the guy's crazy or something. Mm -hmm. But I guess not. And then, so I was always, I always hope he'd get well at the sanatorium. And then if he ever wanted to make a fresh start, I wouldn't be in the way. Woof. But that made it sound like he was insane. But 
right? So, like, she loves him so much, and she didn't want to get married to him in case he wanted to start a new life. She didn't want him to be tied to her. So nice. And what did he think of that? Nothing. He thought I didn't want to. So she did this for him and didn't tell him. You know? No. Pretty pretty juicy sacrifice, if you ask me. Right? So she, I mean, and, and he just totally shits on her when he talks about her earlier, right? She's like, she has no place in my intellectual life. And blah, blah, blah. This might be the only like man-woman dynamic we see in the film also. Other than the Countess getting wrecked and what's the girl's name? I really wanted them to bang. <laughs> oh, are you talking about uh, Sean? Yeah. You're talking about Chantal? Chantal. Yeah, I'm talking about uh, Chantal. Yeah, I was getting crazy erotic energy when she shows up and is helping him. She takes off, I kinda she takes off her yeah, overcoat. Yeah, I kind of... And her and her big hugabajungas pop out, and she's looking fine as hell. I'm thinking, man, Dude, this might be it. Thirteen in this movie, bro. No, she is not. Stop. <laughs> she's an adult. Uh, yeah. I mean, there were definitely like Hold, some erotic vibes. I just need her. to formally disavow all Harvey Weinstein actions and attitudes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow, that was very brave well, of you. I know it took a lot. But I'm glad to have come out of the, you know, proverbial closet. Wait, but you did it for yourself, but you should have done it for the whole podcast. You're right. The Cinematographologically Speaking podcast. We do well, not hold on. Don't lump me in with yeah. this thing. Yeah, Jacob. Jacob <laughs> Wait, lie, you speak for myself. J- yeah. You don't speak for me, okay? Yeah. Uh, the whole cinematography, cine- uh, cinematographological podcast, aside from Jacob Ells, well, I mean, Jacob. I mean, Ellsworth. I mean, he's doxxed. <laughs> Wait, hold on. He's been doxxed. <laughs> Jacob, no, just note the time. We all know he's been doxxed. Who cares? Yeah, you. Yeah, we've doxxed him so many times. <laughs> yeah, we do, we've doxxed him. Uh, anyways, every we all uh, we all support. I mean, uh, disavow. Uh, what are you talking about again? Woody Allen. <laughs> yeah. Wait. 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 <laughs> I mean, sorry, we disavow uh, the the Roman Polanski. I mean, yeah, that one's support him. Uh, wait, did we? Well, I heard that he and Nastasia, they hooked up like, and it was willing, and it was just kind of like a loving an, thing. You but, heard from an inside source? Well, from her, but yeah, whatever, bro. Free, <laughs> free, my, free my boy Roman. Free Roman. Free Roman. <laughs> Let him come back just to visit. Just a visit. Yeah, That's right. On. Wait, so does he just not come... He comes back under legal... He, or he doesn't come back under legal threat, right? Right. He just stays like he, in he his... Can't, he can't come back. Right. He would... Yeah, correct. And he's in a country that has a non-extradition Isn't policy. Isn't he in Poland? No, he's in Antarctica. Oh, it might be in Poland or Switzerland. Swedes, Norway. He's, he's in a land where they have no policy about anything yeah <laughs> no, the the, Ant- yeah. the antarctic <laughs> parliamentary <laughs> system does has non-extradition <laughs> with the united states if we can just take a moment of silence to remember that uh matthew broderick killed two people in the hold 80s. on googling <laughs> who's matthew broderick ferris bueller oh 
Oh he, yeah, he, he did. Go, did he like crash your car and kill everyone? I think it was like a manslaughter yeah. thing. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. That's awesome. I think, yeah. I think yeah. He, like he like drunk drove and killed two people. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Then, August fifth. He, he was fined like a hundred dollars, and that was it. <laughs> August. August. I, yeah. August fifth, nineteen eighty-seven, while driving a rented BMW three sixteen in Ireland. He crossed into the wrong lane and collided head-on with a Volvo. Oh, my God. The driver, Anna Gallagher, remember her name, say her (laughs) name, and her mother, Margaret Doherty, 63, were both killed instantly. Well, at least Uh, it was was, instant. He was on vacation with Jennifer Grey, who I think is the female lead in uh, Ferris Bueller's. No way. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, career. Ferris Bueller's. No, 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 no. Different, different. Oh, Man. no, no, no. This is she, no jealous sister. She's the sister. Yeah, she she's Ferris from Bueller's Dirty Dancing. Sister. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. And but but and she's the sister in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, yeah. That's she's right. Ferris Bueller's that's sister. Right. And they teamed up to take Ferris out Bueller's vehicular manslaughter. Yeah. So so they were so <laughs> they were in the car. Ferris Bueller's vehicle. He he. Some, Ferris Bueller's vehicular what? manslaughter. That's what Jacob just said. <laughs> Ferris Bueller's day off too. More like, more like Ferris Bueller's doze off. You know, it's really funny. Is like a few years ago, he was in a he was in a car ad. He was like in a Kia ad, just driving around the city. Oh my gosh! Hold on. And, and, and the family of the person, uh, oh. the people that got killed, were like trying to sue. Really? El- hold on. Elsmore was literally right. He was charged with causing death by dangerous driving, faced up to five years in prison, but was convicted of the lesser charge of careless driving and fined 100 pounds. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 175 yeah, US Ferris always gets away with family, everything, goddammit. The victim's family called the verdict a travesty of justice, and the victim's brother and son forgave Broderick later amid plans to meet him in 2003. In February 2012, when Broderick was featured in a multi-million dollar Honda commercial that aired during the Super Bowl, Doherty said the meeting had still not taken place and that, quote, Broderick wasn't the greatest choice of drivers known to the past. <laughs> that was a good shout out. That was a good the, remembrance. You said two members of the family forgave him in exchange for meeting him? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Amid, amid plans to meet him. Yeah. But they ended up, but they never met. Yeah, they're like, can you just sign this? We're, we're straight. That is pretty crazy. They put him in a car commercial and he uh, <laughs> recklessly <laughs> killed two people and only paid $100. That is so funny. terrible. <sighs> Interesting. Broderick, he's been in so many movies. Well, anyway, yeah, I hear he's a. Uh, I hear he, he's uh, been in so many cars. He's he's a pill popper. He's been in so many cars. <laughs> he's a pill popper, eh? Yeah. Like, aren't we all these days? <laughs> aren't we all? I just want to spread. I just want to spread rumors about Matthew Broderick's to see the true reach of this podcast. I spread information <laughs> diabolically. We get a cease and desist from uh, his team. Yeah. <laughs> he shows up to my house. Uh, are he you drives into my bedroom? He drives through the wall. Yeah, <laughs> drives, drives through the Drunk. wall. Hey, uh, are you uh, are you are you Jacob Elsmore? Yeah, takes off his sunglasses. Asks him. He's like this. He's just stuck like this. 
<laughs> like in you know the post. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He just walks around movie. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he walks. <laughs> He drives into your house drunk. You can see he's driving with his hands like this. That's how he crashed. He just. He, he can't grab the wheel because he has to be like that. Gets out of the car and says, You know, life moves pretty fast, just like my car. If you don't stop and stare. Uh, my pet's joke if that were his mugshot, too. what's the song what's the song sunglasses yeah the sunglasses on his nose yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) glass into your living room that song just fucking super loud (laughs) 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 oh fuck (laughs) <laughs> all right so what now <laughs> i don't know i don't know i'm feeling a good wrap up on this one you're feeling a good wrap we up just, we just tied a nice bow listen i just want to say that i i really like his inner strength he truly is a warrior for christ as the foreign legion guy acknowledges and the most especially powerful moment and example of this is his conversation with the priest from Torsi in that like shed type thing where he like stands up and is strong and the priest is saying everyone thinks he uh, like blackmailed the chicken got her to kill herself. Uh, and of course he has the letter absolving himself and uh, he doesn't even think about bringing up the letter because uh, he has such a strong inner strength and ethical confidence i think this is something we can all take away from this film when accused of sexual misdeeds one doesn't need to post the screenshots that's true because you know what you did was totally consensual and good and i'm this is assuming it was of course if it wasn't I think you should get well, what, shot what in the, the fucking true face. Nature of consent, really. How can you? I thought we lived in a radically subjective world, Troy. <laughs> uh huh. That's so true. But that's why we have what lawyers. Is consent? <sighs> Take Listen, that. that's actually a good point, Stephen. I think obviously our understanding of consent has changed a lot over the years, <laughs> but it needs to reach its ultimate its ultimate destination influenced by Bergman's from the life of the marionettes, wherein we appreciate the consent is truly impossible as communication itself is. And that, uh, never have sex again. <laughs> I actually started this doing, I started doing that about five years ago. I actually uh, started this doing, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you bloody, yeah. You fucking... That is a great point. <laughs> great point, Roy. <laughs> I haven't asked for consent for years. <laughs> but I also don't have sex, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Stacy. <laughs> Stacy, are you taking note? Did you ask him for consent? 
fuck. Eat. Give me the, give me the, give me more Jamaican. Damn bottles of wines and spirits coming up in ya. <laughs> Deep scent. Shorty going crazy. Hope you ask for consent, though. Big ups the whole I like. Oh, that one was crazy. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Better be safe, man. <laughs> Always wrap up. <laughs> Where <a> Jimmy? <laughs> oh shit! Uh, no, I think that's youthful risk. Yeah, hit that shit, bro. That that's why I'm kind of bummed. Gone. Why is it a motorcycle yeah, scene? Why isn't he just hitting, hitting it wrong? <laughs> he's, he's on a motorcycle going slow as shit next to uh, another dude. Come on, man. Call it youthful risk. That's not cool. They're literally riding on a phallus. Yeah. <laughs> God. Holy yeah, it shit. turns out he's the one getting raw-dogged <laughs> by this guy. That's true. Instead of the motorcycle scene, it should have been him dipping it in raw to like a bunch of like you know hookers and stuff in the town. God yeah. wanted me to experience. You know, truly, this. truly, you know, truly immerse himself into the, you know, wet and slippery, slimy world of, of uh, you know, contemporary society. The moist world. The moist wet the, world. You know, it's a slippery. You know, so yeah. as to you know, obviously it would be a visual metaphor for the slippery slope. You know, we've got a. Uh, I hope this. Oh, this might. Never mind. This would dox me. I can't say it. Uh, I it it would be so funny, but it would dox me. Fuck. Uh, yeah, sorry. We'll just bleep it. We'll bleep it. We're gonna talk about how we've got a uh, we've got a theme park called Dry Town around me. <laughs> it's a, and it's literally a, <laughs> and it's literally a water park with like two slides, two water slides. But uh, yeah, I don't know, dude. But somehow I forgot where the joke was gonna go. Sorry, but dry, think, dry town think, was the punchline. I think dry town is good enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking your ass to dry town. Ah, he probably took her bitch ass to dry town. Kick W. Kick W. You all right, I guess. Is that it? Did we do it? Uh, yeah, Closing I think. Dots. I mean, listen, we're never. We're, our work is never done, just as the priests is never done. We, I think, yeah, the ultimate realization we do need to come to before the end of the podcast is that we are warriors of Christ. Everyone on this podcast. And that. Uh, we probably all have undiagnosed stomach cancer. You, that was so sad to imagine. I would be so annoyed. He handles it way better than I would. Yeah, I'd be pretty. I'd be pretty TO'd if I were diagnosed yeah. with untreatable cancer <laughs> at my age. I might be giving the doctor some bad lip and asking for a couple more tests. <laughs> giving him some <laughs> lip, huh? Yeah. All right. I'd mouth off to him. <laughs> You'd exchange your mouth for some some more tests. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> some I'd, I'd throw it off to him. <laughs> yeah. Butthole off to him. But the whole time you didn't realize that 
the doctor. He's just Indian, so he's just <laughs> ending every sentence with cancer. Cancer, you. Yeah. Can you? Yeah, yeah. Can you please, cancer? Yeah. Cancer, sign these papers. <laughs> you bloody bloody, you must cancer. No, <laughs> you bloody, <laughs> you bloody cancer. That's a good one too. You bloody cancer. What? I have bloody stomach cancer. <laughs> yeah, he just curses cancer the whole time Evil. after you get your diagnosis. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Well, closing thoughts here. Yeah. Or you have something, Steve? Nope. Uh, no, nope. You're something on the right track. Laugh? Nope. Okay. Nope, closing nope. thoughts here. This film rocks. <laughs> I am officially, you know. This is an official call out to Criterion. Uh, look, we like what you do, but literally, like, fuck you. Okay? You've got the DVD distribution rights for this film. It's debatably Brisson's, one of Brisson's landmark films. All these people talk about it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Make a rescan. You forced us to watch something in 480p. You're literally evil. That's sin. So, you know, all the followers of the podcast do not physically harm any Criterion employees. Do not <laughs> go to the Criterion office in New York City. <laughs> Don't do that, but you maybe just send an do email. Do not send them a bomb. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Oh, don't even joke about that. Don't wait, wait, do wait, that. You didn't, you... Do not do that. Send them an email uh, expressing so, a desire for this. So wait, the, the listeners can't do that, but the, send, the members send, of the podcast send, can, right? Send them, send them something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so I'm a little sad about that. But anyway, film totally rocks. Was a lot better than I expected, weirdly enough. Way different than I expected. Um, and, uh, you know, I want to make sure that uh, it's clear to you know to our audience and members alike that um you know the intellectual stuff uh like the the theological discussions are epic and good but uh this film shines for other reasons and um i'm gonna give this film a four this is a must watch but i will grant it's on the lower end of the must watches but perhaps that would change following a rescan <laughs> That was a joke, <laughs> and if that were true, it'd be corrupt. But there's maybe a little something behind that. You know, it's it's tough to uh, really engage with something that uh, there's all this shit in the way. So, there you go. Um, yeah, I hear Criterion Channel. I hear the Criterion Studios really likes it when you send them packages filled with candy and... Uh, Toffee is their favorite. Toffee candy. Send them toffee candies. Uh, anyways, I, I don't know. I'd give this film... A <laughs> 3.3. And uh, I also want to say, without an explanation, that this film is like the well-groomed nutsack on a pit bull. <laughs> Wait, Steven, I, I think you should acknowledge a little disclaimer on your score. 
that 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 you know you were telling me before the podcast about your viewing yeah i was like super hissy fissy fussy i just went into it like with a really bad temper so i was watching it and like i my experience was certainly tainted by my mindset but by the last third i was i could just tell that there was like some good value and even though my enjoyment See, this is why the whole enjoyment thing gets all muddled, you know? Like, is muddy, is enjoyment the same as your score? Is it the same as the quality I see in it? No, I think it is better than the amount that I enjoyed it, but all I can do is rate it based off of a number I felt. So I think there's there's a world where I watch this and give it a higher score, but... No, I think I think you're right in doing what you're doing, right? Ultimately, you're just, uh, you know, you're, you're putting a number on your uh, radical subjective... Uh yeah uh, i'm mogging experience it. from god yeah all right holy score we appreciate it is it my turn is it uh yeah yeah and i i'm in the lead right now i'm okay. <laughs> i'm on track to win the podcast jacob does that work <laughs> well jacob hasn't gone yet well um <clears throat> yeah i don't know yeah on first watch um i mean i, I just felt you know, perhaps I was a bit tired too and out of it, but slow burn. After this discussion, I feel a little better about it. Before I felt basically indifferent, and now I'm up to like a three point two five. I'll give it a three point two five. Okay. Before I give my score, or well, yeah, I guess closing thoughts. I want to fucking kill myself because I forgot to bring up Ordet during this entire discussion. Aww. No one's seen it but you. Really? Am yeah, I doing? So you are absolutely prohibited <laughs> from talking about Ordet. Okay. And I, you know, we should have talked about breaking the waves. Wait, you you haven't seen Ordet? Correct. Holy shit. I know. I need to see it. I know it's the basis of one of my favorite films of all time, Sacrifice. But uh I have been I've been uh a bit it, deflected it was, by its it's only available in 480p is very powerful I can yeah say that very powerful yeah but uh okay well i guess it's good that i didn't bring it up because i is. couldn't have brought it up yeah make sure to check my uh my sub stack <laughs> listeners if you want my my take uh you know anyway yeah so i was a little i was feeling a bit wary at the start of recording because I also didn't feel like I had the pieces put together. Um, and I definitely will be doing a rewatch to sort of, uh, you know, it's good to rewatch and I feel like it'll be more impactful the second time. Uh, overall, yeah, it was, uh, well, got a little pop up here. Apple software <laughs> update. Don't do that. <laughs> overall, I enjoyed it. Um, but because, uh, I'm planning on doing a rewatch, I'm going to limit my score to a 3.3. Oh, look at you guys, dude. 3.3, 3.25, 3.3. Yeah. Wait, is, is, is it, is it a three? A three is dead center, right? Neutral. Um, you know, it's you know, John might have a couple. Okay, arguments what do you guys? You. John's not here. John's not here. Who cares? Yeah, I think for me personally, John three, is sitting right next to me. <laughs> for me personally, a time. three is a good film. 
three marks are good. Three marks good. Four marks must watch. Five marks. Oh, you know, evidence for the three uh, marks good of God. I think three marks good, but it might be different. For, you can just say your number and say what. You okay. Think yeah, I think just I feel just above indifferent. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a tick mark above indifferent. Well, I like the conversation that you know the the movie kind of engages with, but mm-hmm. on first watch, you know, given my state of mind, it wasn't particularly engaging at the time. Um, well, alrighty yeah. then. So that's that. Well, for some closing out here. I think, uh, you know, Brody said this week he wanted to watch something a little more fun. And I was not feeling it after Red Shoes because Red Shoes, I didn't think, I thought was like. I think we should have watched Ocean's 12. That The next movie, I'm definitely feeling something a little more on the fun side of life. I would love to do something Preferably like Ocean's good and 12. Sharp and incisive. Dude, Ocean's I've been, so, I've been, dude, I've been like tossing and turning about Ocean's Twelve all week. I fucking hate <laughs> that movie. <laughs> is that the is that the newest one? Where no, it's, it's all, not the newest. It's that's Ocean. Oh. That's Ocean's Eight. No, it's yeah, it's not the newest one. We don't count Ocean's Eight in the show. Yeah, no, it's not part of the. I haven't I haven't seen any of the Ocean's films. Oh, oh, you should watch Eleven. I actually, dude, you re- should. That's I rewatched all of them. You should only watch no, Twelve. No, no. No. Or thirteen? No. Yes, you should watch thirteen. Wait, which one? Thirteen is the third. Where uh, that's where they steal the diamonds. From. Oh yeah, yeah from yeah, Al Pacino. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 and uh, yeah, thirteen. Twelve is easily the worst by a million. But miles. twelve might be one of the most evil. Steve works Steven, of Steven Soderbergh said that was his favorite, which really really hurts i think what he meant is it was his favorite to film (laughs) when i was a kid i didn't understand what like the title meant for the oceans movies i thought it was like a 28 days later or like a uh you know day after tomorrow (laughs) like i thought it meant like 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 11 like some sort of cryptic like 11 oceans (laughs) <laughs> like you uh-huh. know what I mean? Like some sort of meaning. Yeah. But you and you found out it was yeah, a reference to Frank Ocean's actually... 11th album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it is it the name of a casino? No. No, it's it's a it's a the number is how many people are in the heist yes, crew. Right. And the person leading the crew, his last name is Ocean. I see. Is his name Frank yeah. Ocean? <laughs> yes. No, Daniel? unfortunately not. <laughs> what, Danny. What is yeah. it? It is Danny, yeah. Uh, yeah. Dang. I also, as a child, thought that Mr. I thought Ocean. it was the twelfth oceans. I thought it was like the twelfth movie in a very long. <laughs> can you imagine, Mister Ocean? Dude, <laughs> yes, I can imagine. That's the worst part. Yeah, there's nothing about the format of those films that restrict it from having a million <laughs> versions. Of the same Maybe movie. we should watch the newest <laughs> Matrix. No, dude, no, 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 no. Don't even, don't even joke. <laughs> you don't, you don't there was a really that. funny. Right. Don't e- don't there was a joke. funny review for. Oceans 12 that I read that was like something like in 10 years there will be Oceans 25 and it'll be like 10 minutes long. I can't remember what it was. Fuck me. 
yeah, ignore it me. It would be funny if they get it would be it would be funny if they get so good at the heist. They have a movie where it's like so good at the heist that it literally only takes like fifteen minutes for the whole movie. Like they just pull off a great heist and they don't explain anything and it's instant. No, no issue ever. Uh, dude, someone hasn't seen Ocean's Twelve. <laughs> Is it fifteen minutes long? <laughs> dude, it should have been. <laughs> Uh, that I almost am not opposed to watching that for the podcast. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be pretty fun to talk about it, not going to lie. But the problem is I think everyone will agree with how evil it is, and that'll be But you really should watch Ocean's I... Eleven first if you haven't seen it. That's the only problem. Dude, we need to watch... Have you guys seen About Time? No, we're, we cannot watch that. Have you seen it, dude? That no. is one of my top ten most evil things ever created, but I think that would... That, for that film, is very controversial because... It's also heralded as one of the most positive feel-good movies of all time. I mean, that second part's not exactly true. I mean, it's it's more or less a very contemporary kind of romance. But holy shit, that movie is evil. This the, the review I was looking for was, At the rate things are going, all of Hollywood will put in about a day's work on Ocean 17. That was a review given for Ocean's 12. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right, well, I guess we'll close it out unless someone has something to say. Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> or Thor Love and Thunder. That's the one. That's the newest uh, one. Christian Bale. Gore. Dude, I, I I, might draw the line at watching an Avengers film. Or something. Yeah. I, oh, no, I'm not. I don't want to watch an Avengers film. I'd also prefer to not do that. Well, you want to watch a Marvel film? I'm sorry, I meant Marvel. Oh, no, no. I was kidding about that. I don't want to watch, I don't want to watch a Marvel po- film for the pod. I actually think it's crazy that... Okay, first of all, Scorsese is cringe. You know, his movies are semi-cringe. Not that, some are, whatever. Anyway, but he's definitely cringe. And you know the whole thing, you know, he had that big Marvel thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm actually surprised that... What uh, big Marvel thing? He just, he said, he just said it's He said like Marvel a, movies are like La La, shit, La, La, La Disneyland, oh, 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 Cupcake. Yeah, yeah he says they're stupid for and for children. Yeah. Uh, I actually uh, just want to note my surprise that his comment was even noteworthy, let alone not immediately regarded as obvious. In the like, that was kind of a black pill. Yeah. Well, he's he's wrong. Okay. Is yours. <laughs> <laughs> this whole idea that you know, uh, so I got this from. So I was listening to a, a recording of Simulacra and Simulation. Yeah. And uh, in it, in it, Baudrillard goes into how, uh, you know, Disney. Everyone wants to. Everyone wants to lie to themselves and say that Disneyland is for kids, but actually, it's for the adults, right? So that they can convince themselves that uh, they are adults and that they go to this place this childish place to like indulge in their childlike fantasies when in reality it's it's the opposite <laughs> that you know they go they go there just to like uh cope about the fact that they're like uh they're not real adults and everyone's a child and i don't know something like that but this is yeah but this is more about the yeah so it sounds like avengers movies are for are made for children but enjoyed by adults no, 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 no. For the no, reason no, that they the, can the, feel like adults? No, no, no. You, you, the the, the Baudrillard argument would be you that think Disneyland is made for adults. They're literally made for adults to give them the illusion 
under under the under the illusion that they're made for kids, mm-hmm. but really, they're made for adults. Yeah. To, yeah, but adults know. don't feel that it's which made is for like kids. which is like obvious enough, quote unquote. But like, I don't think this is right because Disneyland obviously is a childish place. People don't see Avengers, don't see Marvel films as for children. What they might acknowledge? What? Wait, wait. Okay, like okay, Marvel, Marvel, Marvel man children <laughs> don't think that they are very interested in a form of media that's made for children and idiots. They think they're engaging with, you know, great work. And although they might give lip service to like, well, yeah, it's not some black and white Yugoslavian silent film, you know, you know. But, uh, like, they don't see them, like, adults at Disney see Disney as something for children. Uh, Marvel fans do not for Marvel films. The modern Marvel man. Okay, I have. But I did like the Disney, I'm, I like that the modern idea. Marvel man. Marvel, Marvel, Ma- modern Marvel, Marvel man, child. Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right, all right. Perfect all right. Model all entangled orders of simulation. To begin with, it is a play of illusions and phantasms. Pirates, the frontier, future world, etc. This imaginary world is supposed to be what makes the operation successful. But what draws the crowd is undoubtedly much more the social microcosm, the miniaturized and religious reveling in real America, in its delights and drawbacks. You park outside, queue up inside, you are totally abandoned at the exit. In this imaginary world, only phantasmagoria is in the inherent warmth and affection of the crowd. Blah, blah, blah. The objective profile of the United States, then, may be traced throughout Disneyland. Uh, Something, something, Disneyland is the real America. (laughs) Ideology. Oh, wait, wait. Does he conclude by... Conceal the fact that it is the real country of all real America, which is... All of Los Angeles and the America surrounding it are no longer real, but of the order of the hyper-real and of simulation. <laughs> you enter the theme park when you leave Disneyland. Listen. Whatever. Watergate. Um, same scenario as Disneyland. I'll just leave that there. Does it really say that, or is that what you're saying? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, go, he goes on a, on a tirade against Watergate. So based. About how it's fake or real? About how it's fake, but also calling out fake. how it's fake is also fake. How you oh. can't escape the yeah. the dialectic. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's it. Um, big shout out to Brody again for the animation. Yeah, you talk about Pitbull. Brody inspired sack. me. I'll tell you, talking Brody. About, Brody's got a, Brody's got a crazy sack. Not sack. Yeah. <laughs> shout out Brody. His highlight reel inspired me to to, to hop on. Seem like you guys are yeah, shout out Sam about me. I couldn't have that. Right. Yeah. Shout out to Sam. Obviously, when he came on, it was not that fun or funny. It was uh, still fun. You know, kind of like an observer. Kind of a what's it called? The observer effect, a little bit. You know. What, what's that? Sam's that's, like that's that's the Schrodinger thing, right? No, no, not the Schrodinger. <laughs> yeah, Jacob, help me out here. What? Is it observer observed effect? I'm just saying, Dude, Sam, the quantum, Sam, the quantum Sam, thing where when you see it, it has a location, and when you don't look yeah. at it, it has no location. The Heisenberg uncertainty principle, uh, or Schrodinger's cat. Anyway, Sam uh, saw something fun and cool, 
but his being here to be a part yeah, of it, it fucking made it ruined it. So, <laughs> but shout out to Sam for coming. Hopefully, he comes on more episodes. Um, and uh, uh, per usual, my my six to ten hour scene by scene discussion of a film is coming. Yeah, we should just do a <laughs> podcast where we just talk about anything. Yeah, that yeah, right, Stephen. That is a really good idea. Maybe we should do a podcast. Yeah, I don't think anyone's ever done that. Uh, Sam, the joke here is that that is said at the end oh. of every podcast, as oh, well as what Troy it. said. Yeah, yeah, as well as my sixteen, my sixteen-hour scene by scene, which I do intend to do, and we also do think it's a good idea. Yeah, podcast <laughs> it's a good idea. <laughs> so it isn't a joke. Anyway, well, well, the joke well, is that we say it every time, simulation. but it is real. Yeah, something about dialectics. Okay, well, uh, Sam, we end the podcast by uh, all of us saying bye, bye. a couple oh, times. Oh. <clears throat> we you ready? Let's do like a barbershop. Bye, bye, bye. So one person, yeah. Who's, who, someone start low and then we'll Yeah, I got it. I got it. I'll start. No, no, no. I start. start. Wait no, do no do it no, do it in the order of the Discord call. What so I don't know. I'm third. Oh, okay. How do we know what order we're gonna I'm do? Third, I guess. Uh, we'll just feel it out. Fine, fine, whatever. Bye. Bye. Bye.